usually on Sunday mornings when it comes to the sermon, um, I'm well prepared and I have a very big set of notes. And this morning's a little different. I'm not very well prepared. Um, But I just want to share from this passage some of the things that have really helped me this week and that I hope will help you today and that I hope whenever you grieve the loss of anyone, even if it's not in tragic circumstances, I hope that what I share today is helpful to all of you. So let me pray and then we'll look at this part of the Bible together. Heavenly Father, we would just ask that now as we come to look at this part of the Bible, that as you love to do, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that as we look at Jesus this morning, that you would encourage us. We just pray that we would hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, like us, he he lived on earth and he had friends and he had family and he experienced everything that you and I experience in life. There's nothing that you experience that Jesus has not experienced. And what we see here in John chapter 11 is that Jesus faces tragedy. When Jesus walked on earth, He faced tragedy like you and I face. And here in John 11, we see the tragedy that he faced. Jesus, we sometimes think of him as just having been friends with the 12 disciples, but Jesus had many other friends in his life. And he had three friends who lived in a village called Bethany. Bethany was just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And the three friends he had there were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. A brother and two sisters. And whenever you read the Bible about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, do you know who you never hear about? You never hear about their parents. You never hear about their mum and their dad. You also never hear about husbands. You don't hear about Mary having a husband or, or Martha having a husband. You just hear about the three of them. These are three siblings living together in a house with no husbands and no parents. They're dependent upon one another. And in the ancient world, in the world that Jesus lived in, men were kind of the rulers of the roost in terms of society. It was a very patriarchal society. It wasn't as equal as things are today. It was important in every household that there was a man, that there was a a head of the house, If there was legal things, he would take care of those. He was primarily responsible for providing for the household. A man was needed in the home in those days. And in this home, it was the brother, it was Lazarus. The responsibility fell on him to care for Mary and for Martha and and to do the things that only men could do at that time. And the tragedy is that that Lazarus, he becomes ill. He gets sick. He's so sick that he dies. It's tragic, isn't it? 
here's this little family and, and they've probably lost their mother and father at some stage already. Here they are, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and they're, they're living together. And suddenly now their brother is taken. You can imagine their pain, can't you? You can imagine what Mary and Martha were going through. You can imagine the fear they had. You can imagine the, the disappointment they had. You can imagine the tears they cried. It was a tragic circumstance. And for Jesus, it was tragic. Because Jesus was Lazarus' friend. Jesus had spent time with him. Jesus had ate meals with him. Jesus had gotten to know him. They were friends. This wasn't some stranger living in a, a town in a different place. This was a friend of his who had just died very, very tragically. And as we look at the passage, we see two responses I guess from, from people, which I guess that, that we all have when tragedy strikes. And the first response is annoyance. There's real annoyance in this passage. And do you see who the annoyance is with? It's with Jesus. His sisters are really annoyed at Jesus for letting this happen. Look at the passage, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then we go on a little bit, a few verses later, and the other sister says exactly the same thing. Lord, if you just been here we told you he was sick a few days ago and if you'd just been here our brother wouldn't have died there is an annoyance maybe even bordering in an anger towards Jesus in this passage and when tragedy strikes, that is a very normal response, isn't it? A sense of almost anger against God. Why have you let this happen, God? Why have you let this happen? How, how could you have done this? Well, there's this annoyance, this, this anger. There's reverence but annoyance from Martha and from Mary. And then there's the questions. They question Jesus. That's the next thing. They're annoyed at him. And then there's the questions about Jesus. You see it in verse 37, some of the, the people standing around there and they see Jesus come and he arrives. And then they ask the question, verse 37, some of them said to them, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Could he not have stopped him from dying if he wanted? Why did he let this happen? Why did he, he not hinder Lazarus' death? That's a normal response to you, isn't it? To question, to ask why. 
to be utterly confused, to be bamboozled, to be baffled. It's normal, isn't it? These are normal responses to tragedy. These are not strange or weird. These are the normal responses we have when tragedy strikes. And I want to say to you this morning that if you have those responses, you're not strange or weird, you're normal. Reverently wondering why, reverently questioning God's wisdom, reverently just having those questions, that is not strange, that is normal. But what I want to say this morning is that those responses should simply be one stop on the road to different responses. You see, if we only stay here in this place of questioning, if we only stay here in this place of wondering, if we only stay in this place of being annoyed and angry, if we only stay here, it's not going to do us any good. Because Jesus, he doesn't give any answers here. And we can ask the question of God all we want, but we are not guaranteed any answers other than my ways are higher than yours. If we only stop at questioning and wondering and feeling angry or annoyed, it will do us no good. What we need to do is we need to to go to some other places in our hearts and in our minds. And what I want to do this morning is I want you to point to you to Jesus' response in the face of tragedy. This morning, I want you to point you to Jesus. Because this morning, ultimately, what I want you to do is to look at Jesus this morning. To look at him for help, to look at him for comfort, to look at him for strength. And so let's look at how Jesus faces this tragedy and there are four things we're going to see first of all when we look at how Jesus responds we see he responds with tears we see the tears of Jesus in the face of tragedy let's read in from verse 34 together where have you laid him He asked. Come and see, they replied. They take Jesus to the tomb. They take him to the the graveside, if you like. They take him to the place where his friend's body lies. And when he gets there, we see the shortest verse in all of the Bible, verse 35. Look what it says there. Jesus wept. He wept. It's not even he cried, he, he wept. He bawled, he was moved. He wept in the face of this tragedy. And I think there were a number of reasons he wept. I think he wept because he had compassion for those suffering. I think he wept because he, he really felt for Martha and for Mary. 
as he saw their grief, as he saw their pain, he wept. Firstly, I think, because he had compassion for them. Friends, what I want you to know this morning is that Jesus has compassion for you today. If you're grieving, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you're suffering, Jesus has compassion for you today. He knows what you're going through. He he feels for you. He's with you in it. He's, He's in solidarity with you. He wept. The second reason he wept is he wept because he loved Lazarus. We see that in the passage, verse 36. Then the Jew said after he wept, see how he loved him. He, he wept because he really loved this person. Now they were gone. He wept because the separation was painful. He wept because this was a terrible thing to have happened. And what I want to say this morning is that it's okay to weep. In the face of death, it is okay to weep. You know, it's wonderful to have the hope of the gospel. It's it's wonderful to believe that those who trust Christ are with Christ. That is a a great hope that we have. But in some ways, it's, it's no consolation for the separation we feel. Doesn't make the sense of separation any better. Jesus weeps because he loves Lazarus and it's okay to weep. Sometimes as Christians, I worry we feel we have to hold it all together and and pretend we're we're doing better than we are. We don't. We're invited to weep. Jesus wept. But Jesus who weeps at the tomb. Do you know who he is? He's the same Jesus who will one day wipe away every tear from our eye. He is the same Jesus who who will one day defeat death and wipe every tear from our eye. But he wept and so can we. He wept and he understands. He understands how we feel. Then I want you to notice the anger of Jesus. Now, it's not overly apparent in the passage, but Jesus here at the tomb of Lazarus is really very angry. And we see it in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Now that word troubled, whenever you get into the Greek language, it's this idea of being furiously angry. He's angry here. He is troubled. He's angry within himself. What's Jesus angry at? He's angry at death itself. He's angry that death exists. He's angry that people go through death. He's angry at death. 
I don't know if you recognize this, but you see if you were to read the Bible from beginning to the end, there are a couple of things you'd notice. And the first thing you'd notice is that death was never meant to be. When God made this world and he he made humans to live in it, the plan was that humans would live forever, that there would be no death, that they would simply live together enjoying God forever and all of his goodness and all of his glory and all of his provision. The plan was that there would be no death. But then sin came into the world. God had warned people, if you sin, death will come, and they sinned, and death came. The world was not how it was meant to be. Humans experienced aging and decaying, and finally, death. So Jesus is so angry. This isn't how it was meant to be. This isn't how it was meant to be. He's angry at death. And then if you continue to read through the Bible, what you'll see is that that death is described as an enemy. It's described as an enemy of people. It is the, the thing that comes for us all and it takes us all. And in the Bible, it is described as an enemy. But you see when you get to the very end of the Bible, In the book of Revelation, you read that it is an enemy that will one day be defeated. One day death will be no more. One day death will be a thing of the past. One day those of us who trust in Christ will be on this new earth and things will be like they were meant to be at the very beginning. We will live with God forever and will enjoy his goodness and his glory and everything will be wonderful and death will be no more. But here Jesus is angry at death. Friends, we can be angry at death. We can be angry that it exists. We can be angry that it's part of life now. But let's remember that one day it will be no more. The next thing we notice about Jesus then is a promise. The promise of Jesus in the face of tragedy. Have a look with me at verse 25. Jesus said to one of the sisters, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, will live though he, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, do you see the promise? The person, Jesus says, who believes in me will live even though they die. What? What is Jesus talking about? What's he saying there? What he's saying is that anyone who trusts in him is the forgiver of their sins. Anyone who's put their faith in him to to forgive them of all the times they've rebelled against God, 
when they die, they will be with God. In the past week, Carla Lockhart, who's a politician and who was a colleague of Christopher's, has got a terrible time on Twitter. She posted a verse from the Bible, present with the Lord, which is better by far. And she didn't necessarily post that that was from the Bible and people were coming back to her with, with all sorts of rebuttals. It's not better for Christopher's family. And they, they, they kind of tore her apart online. But that wasn't the point she was trying to make. She was trying to make the point that for those whose trust is in Jesus, for those who've relied on him as the forgiver of their sins, whenever they die, their soul is in the presence of God. Their body is in the ground, but their spirit is with God in his presence. I hope that brings us comfort in the face of death. When our loved ones die and they've trusted in Christ, they're present with the Lord. They're living even though they've died. They are alive even though they have left us. And finally, the last thing I want you to see here is the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. Look with me at verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then look what happened. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Friends, what we believe about Jesus is not just a nice little thought. To believe that someone can live after they die, it's not just a nice little fairy tale that we tell children to make them feel better about someone dying. That's not what it is. It's truth. It's truth. And the reason we know it's true is because we see Jesus powerfully prove it's true. He goes in and he speaks to this dead man and he says, come out, and he does. Friends, Jesus is powerful. So powerful that he really does grant people eternal life. So powerful that whenever he comes again, he will give those who believe in him new resurrection physical bodies. So powerful that he will grant us the ability to live forever on the new earth. Jesus is not just a nice idea. Heaven is not just a nice idea. Eternal life is not just a nice idea. Having a new resurrected body that lives forever is not just a nice idea. It's something that is true. 
It's something that Jesus proves when he raises Lazarus. It's something that Jesus proves is true when he rises on Easter Sunday. We've questions. We've anger. We've disappointments. We've doubts. But we have Jesus. We have his tears. We have his anger. We have his promise. And we have his power. And in the midst of all that we're facing, in the midst of all of our grief, in the midst of all of our questions, it's those things that if we cling to will help us in this time of loss. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he understands the grief that we go through when we lose someone. Thank you for his anger towards death and the reminder to us that this was not your plan and that death is an enemy that will be destroyed. But thank you for his promise that we can believe whenever our loved ones or friends or family die. And we thank you that one day the power of Jesus will be seen when we are all raised, those of us who trust Christ to everlasting life on the new earth in your presence forever. Lord, I would just pray for anyone here this morning who's not yet put their hope in Jesus. Anyone here this morning who doesn't know the joy of sin forgiven? Anyone here this morning who doesn't have a sense of being destined for eternal life? I pray that you would work in their heart and in their mind in such a way that you would lead them to put their trust in your son. Lord, thank you for this time of just being together this morning. Lord, it has been a, a sad morning in some ways. We thank you for the hope the solid and real and living hope that we have in Jesus. Help us in these days to cling to that. Amen.